0: Syrah. It's Sirrah!
1: It's Sirrah for Newcastle! The oh, way well, he brought that down it was fabulous. Captain! Oh! goal? Okay. Aguero! Only oh. football can make you
0: feel like this. Yes, it proved to be yet another remarkable weekend for England as the semi-finals of the Euros await. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Shooting Czars Euros Podcast with me, Stuart Marshall. And as always, my main man Bryce Conway over in Perth. Brycey, how are you getting on,
1: mate? Lovely. It's the lockdown ended. Got another win for Uni on the weekend, and then uh, another day at home today, and then back in the office tomorrow. So it's cool, yeah, calm, and collected, yeah. mate. Yeah, it's a lot. A lot happening. Lot happening. A lot happening. Lot uh,
0: happening. Brycey, we are without our usual co-host Alice Grant tonight it's the second jailed in thailand jailed in thailand so for those listeners uh we don't have our main man alice grant tonight but um we have replaced him this time around so it's not just going to be you and i bryce and it's fair to say this is quite an adequate replacement i would say so for those loyal listeners out there you would have heard (laughs) this man on the pod as he laughs you would have heard this man (laughs) on the pod back in season two uh but for those that maybe don't know what I'm talking about, you will also recognize him as none other than the Perth Glory's all-time games record holder, and not all round excellent man. Or oh, not anymore. No, nah, big Andy Keogh. Oh God, you. me. There you go. I know,
2: devastated. All I'm, not, it- I'm not relevant anymore.
0: Nah, he's still relevant. <laughs> Perth Glory's all-time second games record holder, Chris Harold, is back on the Shooting Stars <laughs> nice. podcast. Hello, Chris.
2: Uh, good recovery there, man. Thanks. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure just, as
0: always. Uh, it's, the pleasure is all mine. all mine. So Andy Keo's pipped you for the, for the all-time games record holder, but you've got the plaque, do you not? You got presented a little a little trophy when you uh, broke that record. Yeah, oh, I've, actually, I've actually got it
2: hanging up in the corner over
1: there. Oh, there it is. Right.
0: There it is. Over there. All right, there it is.
1: The graphics work of uh, Tristan Forsey there. Good on him.
0: How are you, not Chris? Bad,
1: actually. How many?
0: And I said, how are you? How are you going?
1: I'm very well,
2: thank you, Stuart. <laughs> How are things, mate? Yeah, good. I live somewhat of a different life to the life I led when I was last on the pod, but I'm a I think I'm a much happier person for it.
0: Well, that's good. So you you have transitioned out of the game. So for those Perth Glory listeners that uh, are listening, obviously uh, Chris is no longer part of the team. You, you left the game last year in amongst the uh, the COVID pandemic and the shut down on the league and you uh, had finished your law degree and you decided to head off on your law career. Um, How have things been? Is that, is that a year now you've been, you've been retired? Is that correct?
2: Yeah, probably around that. I don't think I made, I hadn't fully made my mind up officially until probably later in the year, but I'd already, as soon as the league stopped and I came back to Perth from the Mariners, I kind of, Spending time with big Brycey, having having uh, takeaway coffees during lockdown, you know, those thoughts crept into my head about what I wanted to do with my future.
0: Brycey's like, this This professional life's so good, mate. Get over here. Hang it up. <laughs> Hang up the boots, mate.
1: I'm still well, trying to get him to EWA, to be fair, so I'm a bit, you know, I feel burnt that he's at ECU instead after, you know, after our discussions. But, you know, that's okay. That's all right. Oh, look, we had our stint,
2: the the a side comp down at... um. We at did. Dorian Gardens, you know, we had our stint. That was, I think that was probably what rekindled my interest in wanting to play State League,
1: I think. So take some credit yeah. there, mate. It was just us and our French kits with Connor, Tristan, Josh and the <laughs> yeah. likes just having some fun. That was gold down there at Dorian. That was, that was good. going to do my ACL every week. <laughs> what, the so pitches would... were good, I thought. Well, were you
0: playing in his five-a-side team whilst he was still contracted as a professional? No, no,
2: I think I officially hung him up at that point right Dewey. Dewey, mate. Come on. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is the second time uh um anyway yeah thanks for joining us chris as i mentioned granted he's, he, he's away on asian champions league duty he's uh sort of gone awol on bryce and i so you're a very adequate replacement um look i, I don't
2: have quite this, the storytelling um prowess that old alex has but i'll uh,
0: i'll try and do my best in whatever way i i can no, I'm sure you'll be fine. I'm sure you'll be fine. Have you been? Uh, you've been keeping tabs on the Euros, then? Obviously, we have come back together to do this podcast for the European Championships. Uh, have you been keeping tabs? You've been watching a bit of the action. You said you saw the England game the other night, or a bit of it. Yeah,
2: yeah. Got up. Um, not brave enough to get up at three a.m. to watch a game live, but um, first thing in the morning, just don't check my phone and rewatch the game, and I was thoroughly impressed. I think. Um. I think it's nice like the amount of criticism that Southgate seems to cop for his selection choices and then you know his team keeps pulling through with the goods so I think you know he deserves a lot of credit as well at the same time like when you got a when you're a coach of like a team with a, a pretty unbelievable squad like they do you know you got to make those hard decisions and you're never going to please everyone so the fact that they seem to be getting stronger and stronger is like a pretty good sign
0: mm. yeah Absolutely. So, um, yeah, for the listeners, this podcast will probably have a bit of a different feel. We're going to drift in and out of discussing Chris's, uh, the end of his career and what life's like post-football, as well as wrapping up what a big round of quarterfinals action it was over the weekend, Bryce. We had four big games, none other than, I mean, what did we, we started with Belgium, Italy and Spain and Switzerland. They're on the same night. Now, Belgium-Italy was sort of the blockbuster match of the weekend. It sort of had all the hallmarks of um, yeah, the game of the round, at least. It finished. Belgium won, Italy two. Let's start there. Italy, they're not a team that you particularly like. I don't know whether Chris shares the same sentiments or not, but what did you think? Belgium, they failed again, as everybody keeps going on about. How did you say that?
1: Yeah, it was it was a. I think we tipped. I think we both tipped Italy to progress there, just because of the injuries to De Bruyne um, and Hazard there. But De Bruyne played in the end.
0: Yeah, I don't know how play. that was. How he it fit? Worked
1: out. Yeah, it probably wasn't hundred percent. I think it's safe to say there. But Italy just look. I mean, they've they've shown they can blow teams away, not <laughs> concede goals, and then when times have got tough, like against Austria, when they're on the back foot and they're against good teams like Belgium, where it's not straightforward, they're still winning. So they've shown multiple ways and shown that they can get through a little bit of adversity there as well, which is a bit scary for anyone that faces them. I think they can... And their togetherness as well has been huge. You see, whenever they score a goal, everyone just goes absolutely nuts, including it was at Immobile who went down like he broke broken his leg Then he he realised they'd scored a goal and then he was happy as Larry and just sprinted off and that was brilliant. He got caught on camera. It's just so funny. How they think they can get away with that nonsense is just so funny. Like You're at the Euros, mate. I think a camera's going to pick it up. Yeah, But no, they look good. They look good and Belgium's golden generation will not have a trophy to their name.
0: Is it a golden generation or is it just a generation with with five great players and the rest maybe not so great and they've probably done and achieved what they... uh, you know they've achieved what their talent suggests or is that yeah i mean i
1: guess we talked about that in the last one like what is the barometer and what like defines the golden generation now and it's if you go through the perspective of did they win anything does that make them a golden generation i mean they had a lot of good players but then we looked at it in isolation like you look at batong and elder i'd say top class players but not world class players so i think we kind of bunched them in with the likes of de bruyne hazard lukaku and stuff and then maybe in our heads they seemed better than they were because they were premier league players and there's a bit of recency bias about them mm-hmm. but yeah i mean looking back at it now it's like maybe it was wrong to you know for them to be labeled the golden generation which i definitely did for a period as well but they just it didn't bear fruit
0: yeah agree now chris two questions for you here what did you make i don't know if you saw the video of tiro crawl crawling on the ground and then getting up and running away when the the goal was scored firstly what did you make of that as an ex pro Looking, uh, yeah, looking at that. Did it make you laugh, or did has there been any instances where you've done that yourself, or did it? Yeah, how did you feel about it?
2: No, I, I can't say I've ever been that outlandish. <laughs> um, you know what? I and this is the point I was talking to you guys about before that I want to make is I rate I rate that Italian over the top play <laughs> acting. Why is you that? You know what? It's it's having played the game, they're smart. They're intelligent. What they're doing is actually, like, it's getting under, like, opponent's skins. It's, like, pissing the crowd off. Mm. But they're, like, they're getting in the referee's head and they're playing the game. They're, like, wasting time. You know, like, it's actually, like, very intelligent what they do. But it's also, like, if you've ever had any dealings with Italian people or been to Italy, it's, like, very representative of who they are as a culture you know they're just outlandish and over the top and flamboyant and i think it's great that like you can sum up and represent a culture within your footballing like identity
1: yeah do so you think that should house should be you know, a bit more celebrated than it is <laughs> see that's that's another question like i don't know if it should be
2: celebrated like what a Mobley mm. did is not exactly like <laughs> i think it's funny but i don't think you should like
1: encourage
2: it like
1: yeah. Go to young. You players, so. the, yeah, you cue all the text messages from every, all your mates that play footy or union and they're just like, yeah, typical. And you're like, well, I mean, what can I say to that? Yeah. yeah so it that's, true. That, that's where it doesn't help. Doesn't help Yeah, for, from sport. an outside perspective, it doesn't give
2: the 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 game a very good name. But yeah. from my perspective, I, I appreciate it.
0: Do you appreciate it because it's something that maybe teams at a professional level and maybe all levels, but I think maybe at a professional level where the crowd is uh, more of a factor. Is that something that maybe teams will talk about doing before they go out? Or is that purely instinctive, do you think, based on the culture, as you say?
2: Uh, I think with the Italians, it's just like, it's in, maybe instinctive, but it's kind of like ingrained in their footballing culture. But then like, it makes me think about, I don't know whether, Bryce, you probably remember this game a few years ago when Liverpool, in the, uh, the famous Stevie G slip game,
1: yeah, when Mourinho and Chelsea came
2: to Anfield, and they well. under, yeah. they got under they got under the players and the crowd's skin because they were wasting time from the first minute, yeah, and they were playing perfect, the game. They were playing the game. It was so clever. Like from a Liverpool perspective, it was ridiculously frustrating to watch. Yeah.
1: But you could see Mourinho now not getting the respect. ball back quickly or anything. Like, yeah, yeah. From like all the first those five minutes, things. they
2: were doing it. It's yeah. so smart. Yeah
1: then you start starts to get into your mind like they're gonna keep doing this and you're focusing on that rather than being like what's our job
0: yeah yeah exactly little my
1: marking little things like that yeah I don't yeah, remember it at all this just, focus <laughs> yeah I uh, I was in Cotterslow house sitting at the time and I had to go for a run as soon as Stevie slipped and they scored so yeah I remember <laughs> look, there's, there's no surprises that look Bryce said he was
2: house-sitting in Cottesloe. I wasn't expecting him to say he was house-sitting in, uh, in Borogoon or something Mira like
0: Booker.
1: that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man, I'm in the dirty south. Come on.
0: Yeah, uh, is, isn't he? Down in South Beach. All right, so um, just quickly, quickly before we move on from Italy, uh, Chris, was there any players in the A-League when you played? I've just got to bait you here. Who was the worst at this? Who did you find when you came up against that really kind of annoyed you? That, uh, or who was really good at it? Maybe not annoyed. Who do you commend for being really good at play acting and milking it and getting under the referees, like getting in the referee's head, like you mentioned? You've caught me off guard here, man. I'm like, I'm, question without really notice.
2: Of, yeah, yeah. No, I can't really think of anyone off my head, like off the top of my head, but I'm sure there were people who'd, who'd do it. Guys that just like, that's the problem with the modern game as well. Like, any sort of contact now is deemed a foul. Hmm. So it's just like the extent that which players exaggerate how much they've been clipped.
1: Yep.
0: What
2: about Andy calling for
1: penalties at training all the time? Did he? I don't remember him, him doing that, to be fair. He's one of the more oh, honest players, calling. to be honest. Uh, he is 100%, but I remember because he's so competitive at training, you'd be calling for pens. It was, it was <laughs> always quite funny. That It wasn't play acting or anything. It was more just like calling for penalties at training. I just found it was interesting. Yeah, because you want to win. Exactly right. No, sorry, Stewie. I haven't got a specific name for you, unfortunately. That's right.
0: We can maybe come back to that. We'll uh, we'll revisit that. But what do you reckon about this Belgium golden generation, Chris? Do you think it's... Um, yeah, I don't know. What's what's your assessment no, I think the on, on point their performance? I think
2: the point Bryce makes is actually a very interesting one that I never thought about before. That like, you know, like you're saying, Betongan, out of Ereld, very good quality Premier League players, but not necessarily like world-class What? <laughs> I mean, that's very harsh not calling him world class, but I mean, like, but they're not. I guess when company, you know, someone, there's a difference between like Vincent and Company and, yeah, yeah, and, and And the point I also wanted to make is how does Thomas Vermalen still get the national team? Like, he
0: was playing <laughs> like, in Japan,
1: great, great player, but like, far he must out, be man. 40, I he yeah. retired about five years ago. Yeah. But it's, it's that bias towards like, if they're not in a major league, you just think they're nothing. And he still gets selected for a, for the national team, like a very strong national team, you're like, oh, right, that's still got that guy's still playing. So that's why, like, you look at Italy and I didn't have as many as big of expectations on them because none of them are in the Prem and I don't see him on a week to week basis. Yeah, true. Far, besides, Giorgino, but like, but then you kind of like, oh, okay. And then and there's players there like Spinazola and players like that that I'm just like, haven't heard a lot about that are mm. killing it. I mean, I know he's injured now, but. It's just, there's that bias towards players that you watch on a regular basis and you read news about from week to week to week. So you think that they're hype and you think that they're quality, but it's it might be just, yeah, purely bias.
2: I, I think it's the same with Spain. Like there's a lot of sp- yeah. the Spain's team that I've never really heard of before because I'm guessing a lot of them play in La Liga. Yeah. And they're clearly very good, yep. but
1: I've never watched them or never even heard of them before. So it's hard to comment. And we're yeah. used to every single Spain player being... Like pretty much in the world eleven and playing for Real Madrid and Barcelona, and then this yeah, game, yeah. There's no players playing for Ra- that are Real Madrid players in the squad. It's, it's 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 wild. You look at the squad; it used to be like Xavi, Busquets, Iniesta, really Torres, and stuff, and now it's oh, like right. you're getting players that you hadn't heard of before. But they're they're class. Like some of them, they're unreal to watch.
0: Yeah, and that's a perfect segue into the other game on the Friday. You're a fan. Could have done so... that.
2: I might have done that intentionally. You never oh. know. <laughs> oh, very yeah, nice. He's, he's got, got a knack for this. future.
0: Got a future here. He's good. Taking uh, Grante's position.
2: Grante's laying injured on the ground. And I'm mate, taking spot.
0: mate, Grante's got AWOL. We need to hear from the man first. If you're <laughs> going to respond, we just need a response. If you're, gonna, if you're happy to respond, then you can come back on. But Spain won. <laughs> Switzerland won. Spain on pens. Bryce, so that's two games in a row that Spain have gone to extra time and one on penalties, I believe. So um, will that bite them in the buttocks do you think or oh, no they won extra time but they Look. played 120 minutes two games in a row as chris sort of yeah. mentioned that there's a lot of players in that team that we don't really know but we're becoming more familiar with now as a result yeah. of this tournament and as you mentioned you know there's no real madrid players in this team which is like unfathomable in it in, in its own right but um yeah what do you reckon about spain They got over switzerland who had a good tournament it must be said and just kind of bottled it in the penalties it could have gone either way of course but um fabian share of newcastle too casual in his run up for his penalty i don't know why he does that but anyway he misses he his penalty for switzerland and they're out now but will spain's 120 minute consecutive games bite them in the bum do you think
1: i think you can have it can go one of two ways They can either be you know, exhausted or it galvanises the squad and shows like even when we're backs are against the wall and we have to kick on we, we are able to do it um, and they can have that confidence that no matter what happens in the game they're able to come back and if it goes through a extra time or penalties that they can do it so if we've done extra time and then have done penalties as well I think they'd, I'd take a lot of confidence from it as a squad um, and with the way recovery is and the science technology they have you'd hope that it's it shouldn't be too much of an issue but I think only time will tell there. I think the, re- the next result will kind of answer that question and dictate how correct we are there. But I think players like Pedri, the young Barcelona midfielder, he's been absolutely unreal and he looks fa- he's fantastic to watch. His skills, confidence on the ball. So I think they're they're uncovering a lot of gems there, Spain, and being under the radar a little bit I think kind of suits them. Mm. They've always they've been in the spotlight the past what half a decade to a decade was what they've achieved the World Cup and the Euro. So I think um, no, nah, I think they're kind of relishing and relishing in this tournament, and you know, coming back in a big way.
0: Yeah. What do you think, Chris? Do you think it's a, a blessing or a curse, or is it confidence?
1: I don't know.
2: I, I haven't had the luxury of really watching them very much so far, but I think it seems like a lot of these new guys that they're blooding through are probably younger guys. I'm assuming, and I guess that that little less Pressure like Bryce is talking about that comes with the expectation would suit him. Um, and now in this game against Italy, they're most certainly underdogs, but I mean, they've still got, um, who's the coach? L- Lewis
0: Luis Enrique. Um, Enrique.
2: Yep. Yeah, like he's a very experienced coach, won so, lots of
0: trophies as well with Barca. So, yeah,
2: yeah, um, player and coach. Yeah, yeah, look, it's hard for me to comment because I haven't really watched him, but I'm intrigued. I mean, like. They Spain always inherently have a lot of talented players they've clearly got a good coach coaching them um, mm-hmm. they don't have that pressure or expectation like Bryce has spoken about so I mean if they lose this game it's probably like still a good tournament for them so like
0: yeah well they've got to get through Italy that's so that, that's the first semi-final and that'll be happening uh, Wednesday morning Australian time Italy v Spain um, who's your tip Bryce?
1: I think Italy will win. Um, I think their experience might shine out at this stage of a competition with um, some of the older players that Italy have compared to Spain. Um, But I think it's going to be very close. Um, I think Chiellini and Bonucci are showing, I think Chiellini's now like 36 and Bonucci's 34, and they are showing that some of the best defenders in the world still. Um, And it's an interesting one. You look at a lot of teams and plays they get a lot of credit. I've got the flash haircuts, flash cars, and all this but they're just like balding guys in their mid thirties that just know how to defend. But they kind of look the same as well, don't they?
0: <laughs> oh yeah, they're they've, identical. They've, it's they've also
2: looked the same for the last 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I swear Kiel- like, I'd like to see a like a comparative shot of Kialini 10 years ago compared <laughs> to now. I reckon it'd be pretty similar. Yeah.
0: No, he uh, hasn't aged the <laughs> day over the past 10
2: years. But that's so a, that's the other thing as well, like, you have a go at the Italian national team for being, you know, big diving theatrics, but then you've got those two, like, absolute rocks. Glad and, like, there. That, yeah. And you had guys like Cannavaro back in the day, like, their central defenders have always been, like, incredibly good defenders, yeah. you know, like, I think that's another thing with modern football is, like, we seem to pump up defenders who are good on the ball, but it's not always spoken about as much like guys who are actually good defenders and the t- like Italy seem to
0: consistently produce those sort of players. Mm. Always had them, yeah. No, you're right. So, yeah, as I mentioned, Spain v Italy, that is Wednesday morning, Tuesday night. Uh, but 3
1: a.m. or the midnight game?
0: I think they're, they're both 5 a.m. Sydney time, so that'll be 3 a.m. Perth uh, time. So, yeah, if you're in the West, rough. you'll have to be getting up at 3 or starting it at 5.30 before you go to work or whatever, but I'll get up and watch it live. That's the only thing. I mean, all the games now are kicking off. All the games are at Wembley Stadium for the rest of the tournament. So both semis in the final will be at Wembley Stadium and they're all kicking off at 5 a.m. So we've got uh, first semi semi-final on Tuesday, Wednesday morning, 5, a, 5 a.m. Sydney time at least. And then Wednesday, then Thursday morning, and then the next Monday is the final. But Italy, Spain, probably going to be Italy, but who knows in these games and that sort of, Takes us to the other big results, and probably the biggest result from our point of view, Bryce. England are through to their third major semi-final of the past three years. They got to the World Cup semi-final and lost to Croatia. Then they got to the Nations League semi-final and they lost to Portugal, I believe. And now they're into the European Championship semi-final against Denmark. Uh, after you know their best game of the tournament, a 4 0 win over the Ukraine. Uh, interestingly, all four teams that are in the semi-finals played all four of their group stage matches in this tournament in their home stadium. So that's an interesting stat mm. for how this, the tournament's been set up across the 12 Look seasons. at
2: that. He's done his, he's done his research.
0: <laughs> so that's a, an interesting takeaway to sort of see how, or, you know, just a reflection of how the tournament's been. But Bryce, comment on England for us. 4-0 win, emphatic. Jaden Sancho's come in and look like he's been there the whole time. What did you yeah. think about it?
1: I think it was uncharacteristically calm, dominant, clinical from England at a major tournament that I've never seen since I've been following England on the international front. I think you used to one nil or two nil or two, one wins where it's there's a sense of nervousness panic at some stage of the match, but this for the full 90 minutes, as soon as I think Harry Kane scored in the fourth minute after a, Unreal assist from Raheem Sterling. I think that just kind of set the tone and England were dominant from there. Ukraine didn't really have the answers. I think Southgate, it has to be commended for his homework and strategy coming out and knowing that the Ukraine fullbacks like to, you know, attack. And then he just, he masked them with Shaw on the left and Walker on the right, just making sure that they, you know, made sure that they weren't a threat. And it was, they were completely nullified by Ukraine. They just had no No pun intended or? (laughs) Of course not, of course. (laughs) I just think the biggest one for me is i have at the start of the tournament with Raheem Sterling. He was a man that wasn't informed, didn't play a lot of football for Manchester city compared to other seasons. He's come out and proved everyone, including myself so wrong. Um, he's been a man inspired. I'd, I'd kind of, I'd be tempted to him, for him to be my pick as uh, man of the tournament or player of the tournament. Um, He's just, he's so patient on the ball. He draws fouls so well at the right moments. His passing's been unreal. Um, And obviously he's scored a couple as well. He's been there at the right moments when England's needed him most in some games. So yeah, I think he's been a bit of a, it's not a revelation when everyone knows what his best is. And this is kind of showing his best, which he's done previously, but it's just a big return to form for him. And seeing Hendo get his first goal for England, I was actually buzzing. I I got off my couch for that. That was for sure. So happy for him. What a legend.
0: Do you agree with everything Bryce said, Chris? From what you saw?
2: Yeah, very much so. I think I think the thing that stuck out for me with England in this tournament is like what you said at the start, Bryce. Is there's a there's certainly a calmness and like it's like a it's almost like a shift in mentality from the England national team that hasn't been there ever before. There's always been like seems like the pressure's always you know the weight of the nation's expectations always like overburdened them and they've always struggled to deal with that whereas now like they just seem to be content and everyone knows what their roles are and what they have to do and you're right Bryce they look clinical now and like people are giving them a bit of stick for you know not creating so many chances in the start of the tournament but like when you've got guys like Harry Kane in your team you're always going to score goals from somewhere so it's like and I think the fact that they've kept so many consecutive clean sheets actually is quite remarkable. And that's like, you know, all great teams. It's the cliche, they're built off a foundation of a good defense. If you're not going to concede any goals, like you've got a good, pretty good chance when you've got pretty weaponous attacking players like England do
1: and a lot that they can bring off the bench as well. Yeah.
0: I think that's kind of
1: growing, aren't they? Like in the group stages, a lot of teams will peak early um, and then kind of fade away as the tournament goes on. But England have just kind of ramped it up. They've gotten better and better as the tournament's gone on. Sterling's gotten a lot better. Uh, Harry Kane's now improved and on the score sheet now and looking back to his lethal self after a slow start. So I think everyone else in the competition should be extremely worried now. I think arguably favourites. And I think last time we said Italy, England, it's like borderline, but I'd I'd say England would be favourites now. Oh, really? Favourites
0: of one 4-0 win, even though Italy have been performing better throughout the whole tournament, it could be said?
1: Well, no, I just think of the, how they go in the past couple of games, Italy have had a harder time of things, whereas England have looked, haven't and conceded they... a single goal. I mean, I know that Germany's not the strongest Germany, um, the strongest German side that's been in a major tournament, especially in the past decade. It's one of their weaker ones, but they still England still did the job. They still beat them, did it in a a convincing manner in the end. And then with Ukraine, like it has to be said, Ukraine were not the strongest of sides in this tournament. That's for sure. And they showed that against England. So I don't know if I'm reading into it too much, but it's just the momentum and players going in and out. one thing I really liked the commentators um, touched on was that usually with England signs, especially with like under sven Goran Eriksson's reign, there was about eight or nine players that, were guaranteed to start pretty much no matter their fitness or whatever. Like your skulls, Gerard Lampard, Rio Ferdinand, all those kind of likes would absolutely get a game. But in this squad, you can't really point to too many players that are guaranteed every game. Start of the tournament, Tyron Mings was starting games, and now Harry McGuire slotted in and scoring. Jaden Sancho is getting a run, whereas at the start of the tournament he didn't. So players are coming in and out, and it's kind of been seamless. seamless. It's been unreal, and I don't think a lot of sides could do that. So I think that's where Gareth Southgate has to get a lot more credit for what he's done. Yeah, it seems like he's
0: getting credit. No, I completely agree with what you're saying, and maybe now he will get credit because of the track record over the past three years, or specifically, you yeah. know, especially when he's taken over, it's uh, been uh, yeah amazing, really. Um, I you just want to w- playing at
2: Wembley as well. Yeah, oh, it helps.
0: Helps, yeah. yeah, for sure. I just wanted like just maybe tap into that idea, like the mentality side of things, Chris, because you mentioned that there's always sort of been this thing about, um, you know, like the burden of playing for England almost is, you know, hung over teams of years gone by. What do you like, how can that change? Like, or why is it different to this group for this group? Do you think obviously you're not in the camp, but like from the outside, from your experience being in teams and that sort of thing, like how does the mentality shift? Is it as simple as a new manager coming in and, having such an impact on a group of players or is it the characters are different in the, in the changing room or what do you think it's, it's down to it's
2: got to, it's got to be like an instilled culture. I think like, especially with Southgate, like he's not a new coach anymore. Like a lot of new teams, you know, will fly out of the blocks when a new coach comes in. Cause they're trying to impress, but then, you know, that honeymoon period fades away and it doesn't last. Whereas Southgate's been at the helm for like a long time now. And I think this is almost like a cultivation of like a number of years trying to breed a certain culture. And I think that, like, for me, from my perspective, it shows in how they go about their games now. Like, they are clinical and they all know their jobs. And, like Bryce said, like, it doesn't matter who comes in or out, like, they're still, it's not like they're affected massively. Um, and I think that's, I think that's the big difference from my point of view, because it's not like, the external pressure from the media is any less than what it was in the past. And even in the early games, like Southgate was copping a lot of stick for them only like, you know, getting one nil wins or whatever, but they still playing the same way. It's just things are working a little better now. Um, Yeah. it, It is an interesting point, but it's like as a player, it's, it's very difficult to shut out all that external noise and try to concentrate, just on your job and your role within a team and what your team has to do. So I think like what Southgate's been able to instill in terms of a culture there is like is really impressive because I mean England have always had really good squads and players. Um, and I think the other thing of the England squad is it's like pretty young, like they got a lot of like obviously incredibly talented but like pretty young players.
0: Yeah, which like is I think even more impressive yeah for sure um well yeah Sancho's what 2020 20, 21 Saka's 18 Foden I don't know everyone knows the ages but yeah no you're spot on just just quickly you say it's difficult to shut out is that purely because everybody's on their phones is that like where the noise comes from in, in that sense you say it's maybe difficult to shut out media attention uh, no nah, I think it I think it depends on the individual like for me myself like I was never big
2: on social media or anything like that so like that was never something that played on my mind but for me it was like an internal expectation on yourself and then you also know like what's going on around you like in the media kind of thing um i think that was always still there even before social media but i think it's probably more profound and at the forefront now because you know a lot of most people are on social media and including footballers so it's like hard for people to detach and disassociate from that and just like shut it out
0: yeah in it's your he just
1: here if southgate has a like if he has a, like, a sweeping rule across socials like if you're only allowed on your phone for a certain amount of hours kind of like at school or something like if he has that kind of regimen. do i think he school. has that yeah Oh no i'm just i'm curious i want to find out if that's actually something he kind of looks into because it is i don't think so for so many i think i think something
2: like that would probably have the opposite effect. Like these guys yeah. are also like big name players who have big egos. If you tell them, if you try and teach them and tell them they're only on their phone five hours a day, they're going to tell you to jog on. <laughs>
0: well, they're, they're, like, it's, yeah. it's
2: more, it's more so about like instilling a sense of what other stuff is important and what the priorities are and what you need to focus on that. Even if guys are looking at that, it doesn't distract them in the same way. That's my perception.
0: Mm. it's interesting hey eh? like I, I like it's funny what you're saying brusca about southgate maybe needing to be a teacher yeah have you had not heard the stories about um i think i heard it on the peter crouch podcast but it was um he was telling stories about fabio capello when he was manager of england at the world cup and obviously fabio capello didn't speak english so he had his assistants that maybe spoke more english than uh, than he did but one of his rules was at all the meals when they sat down to have team meals they weren't allowed any sauce so that there was no ketchup or mustard <laughs> or anything like that they weren't allowed condiments when they when they ate for whatever reason and you know yeah. hopper was the
2: same man oh was he <laughs> <laughs> man when like i remember we had a preseason tour in malaysia and honestly with, for like a whole week the the <laughs> the food was so bland and we like all we were allowed was salt and pepper like we weren't allowed any like olive oil or soy sauce or like <laughs> olive oil was, yeah yeah no maybe olive oil. Nah, maybe we were allowed olive oil but yeah. like no sort of and the meats that they were giving us were just like dry grilled what? chicken breast or like beef like it was just super dry and you weren't able to season or flavor it in any way it was like
1: that sound like a yeah, fun tool for, for a
2: foodie like me it was a challenging week
0: did he explain his <laughs> rationale behind it? Like, what was the reason? Nah. Yeah, but I think guys kind of know it's like, what is, is, it, it's, is, is it? Is it diet? Like, is there excess sugar in yeah, any yeah, sauces? And yeah, it's, it's, yeah, that's yeah, that's the it. reason.
2: Skin folds, Chris. That's it. Thank God I don't have <laughs> to do those anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there you go.
0: So maybe that's why Fabio Capello did it. But oh
1: yeah, definitely that's the hundred percent why he yeah. did it. But there's yeah. a bit of blasphemy in it, I find, for for Italians as well. Like our oh, coach, UWA is Italian. And he's when I remember when I had salad with my pasta, he looked at me like I was I just you know disrespected the flag almost. So <laughs> I think there's a there's a real there's a real passion for it, and the way things are done have yeah, to be done true. in a certain way. So it's interesting that culturally proud
0: it is. Yes. Yeah,
1: love that. Yeah,
0: fascinating. I uh, didn't expect to get that gem of information out of you, there, Chris. But anyway, just one line. Of- final thing that's on my mind in regards to shutting out this noise thing just like in terms of like after a game when you go in the change rooms like from what you can remember and like your experience like is it when you're in the change room after a game but the players get on their phone straight away and are like maybe looking at twitter and is there ever conversations or had you ever been in a change room where there'd been conversations about maybe reading what social media was saying straight after a game
2: no i've never had conversations like, well, know you guys... are, the,
0: are the players talking about it maybe? No I don't,
2: I don't I don't think so because it's like I don't know it's if you're doing that, if you're checking social media, it's straight after a game like that's just your ego kicking in yeah. like for whatever reason it's like whether it's gonna be dented or whether it's gonna be inflated. Hmm. So I think either way guys don't really, they're not gonna like go and talk about it. you know if, if someone's pumping you up on social media, you'd have to be a bit of a wanker to come out and be like, Hey everyone, look how good I am on Twitter. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like well, but good you know, or bad. So the other way, if you're getting slated, you're not going to be like, Hey everyone, look what this
0: guy's saying, yeah.
2: Look how bad I am on social media. Like yeah, fair enough. But I think, yeah, unfortunately like guys, you know, that's like a lot of people, you know, it's not just footballers either. It's like, that's their main source of like, um, it's the word I'm looking for here. Like um,
0: reinforcement, so, yeah like
2: satisfaction yeah yeah like affirmation that they're they're good or you know someone to tell them that they've done well like rather than that just coming from internally Mm. or from people who are like close to you or or your teammates or whatever the people who actually understand
0: Mm. did you ever get so you say you weren't into social media before we move on i'm just curious did you ever get um like was there ever moments in your career where you were probably looking at it too much and you felt it affecting you I think when I was younger, I I think especially
2: when it's new, like, and you have a good game or whatever, it's hard to. It, it's definitely hard not to seek that out. I found, but I think as I got older, like pretty quickly, I found that the moments that, and maybe this was because I was an average footballer, but like the moments where you have positive reinforcement on social media are so minute in comparison to the amount of negative, like negativity that's on there that it's just never worth it it's like the balance is so out of whack that you're never going to win it's like mm. gambling
0: yep. yeah so yeah well one in ten or whatever might be well done.
2: yeah yeah that's 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 how i always viewed it so that helped me detach from it and i think it allowed me to just gauge my own performances through myself and my teammates and coaches rather than have other people tell
0: me yeah that makes sense oh well at least you get to uh have tomato sauce now, which is uh, <laughs> it's the main reason I retired, mate. <laughs> and when Go you say tomato on. sauce, you mean
2: a whole bottle easy. of red
0: wine, right? the red yeah. wine. Sorry, yeah. yeah, the good stuff. Um, all right, Bryce, final word on Ukraine before we move off this game shambles, shambles. Uh, um,
1: I think, um, oh, <laughs> I think huge credit to Shevchenko to um, to lead. His country, which is uh, they're not a massive footballing nation when you in, when you compare them to the likes of England, Spain, Italy, or Germany. So, I think to get into the quarterfinal stage was an unreal achievement, and he'll. And I think the whole country should view it as a massive success on their behalf for sure.
0: Yep, just outclass in the end, really. Yeah. Um By a right.
1: team in a country with a lot better resources, it's one of those yeah. things that yeah it makes sense that they were
0: For sure. No, I think you. I think you're right. and... Well done to them, I suppose. So, yeah, England will be playing uh, Denmark, and that was the other game. Denmark, Casper Dolberg, Bryce. Talk about Denmark before, while I get the results off. It slipped my mind. But
1: he was, uh, yeah. Do, so Dol, was
0: Dol, Dolberg's fired Denmark through to a semi final on the back of the tournament they've had. They've had quite an emotional ride, and they managed to go quite far.
1: Yeah, I think it's. Um... One of those things, it was high emotions at the start and when I mean, they lost their game to Phil and you thought it was all over for them, but they've they've bounced back and proven to be inspired by that horrific moment with Ericsson. i seen he's taking photos with fans now, which is unreal. So he seems to be in good health now, which is great. So I we'll be him back on the pitch soon. Um, but yeah, I, I love Denmark. I love the national team. Um, obviously, like the fact... Like, Just look favorites. at his background. <laughs> Mate, it's a, it is the best. Going to Copenhagen is probably the best holiday I've ever been on. <laughs> um, so I, I do keep tabs on the Danish national team. They've actually got a quality team this year. Um, you've got Simon Kier at the back with Christensen um, there as well. It's just like two quality centre-halves. Um, you got Dahlberg. And, uh, like and really- Vestergaard. I invest the guy from as well. Southampton as well. Mm-hmm. Quality, like three absolute like bulls at the back that can that are good on the ball and quite quick as well. Yep. Um, but they've got that that steal as well. Like Simon Kiar is the guy in Verstappen. You just would not you would not mess with him. <laughs> and then Schmeichel behind him. Like that's that's a class uh, defensive unit there. Um, and then Dolberg's coming up with a few goals. Yeah, I, I find it found it weird his reaction to the goal. He didn't seem to, maybe he's like a bit of fig he's jam probably about baffled him now. at the assist that that guy produced <laughs> That was outrageous oh that's my favorite the outside of the boot it was just so nice and then brass late, one of, them. of course, he couldn't finish so i uh, had to pick up the scraps and, <laughs> and finish off good finish as well it's always a hard one when it's that 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 level in the air to try and finish but he showed great poise to finish that off he's class
0: yep yeah, chris what what were you going to say it's, it's uh, the one outside
1: of, of the foot it's like when you pull it off, it's
2: absolute magic. But if you don't, then it's like, why the hell didn't you use your other foot? <laughs> yeah,
1: That's me. Every time I got to cross on my left, I'm outside of the right. <laughs> I oh. should get told off that much.
0: So Czech Republic 1, Denmark 2, uh, Schick got another goal. So there's now rumours of him potentially moving to the Premier League, which is probably fair enough. He looks like a good player. Uh, Denmark, Delaney scored in the fifth minute. And then, as I mentioned, Dolberg. so... Yeah, Denmark. How funny is that
1: name, by the way? You look at all those Danish names, and you've got this guy <laughs> called Delaney from Hull.
0: <laughs> Thomas Delaney is his name. Yeah, I, I, it's I, so I, funny. Do you have yeah. a
2: Canadian background or something? Yeah,
0: you know what? I'm gonna. I I'm going do a right. quick Google. He, he, yeah, is is part or well, one of his parents. Did he played Dortmund. Like, he does play at Dortmund. Yes. So, um, but yeah, Chris. Did been... Chris, did you see that game? Did you see the Czech Republic Denmark game? And if so, what did you think?
2: Uh, I watched the extended highlights. Um, twenty-four minutes of them, Mm -hmm. including adverts. Um, (laughs) Thanks for that. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah, I just wanted to clarify. I think Denmark's another like youngish team, like with some. I think they have a lot of um, mobility and pace up front. It seems, and then like you said, like that back, that back three with Kasper Schmeichel. Like that's a seriously strong like base for them to for them to build off. And then they're two f- wing backs. I'd never heard of them before, but striker last, quite-
1: I think is on the right. I can't remember the left.
2: Yeah, they're, they're both the last really. though. Yeah. Um, so they seem to have a seem to have a pretty good mix. Like it'll be interesting to see. They haven't really been tested. I mean, with a they haven't played a big team yet, have they?
0: <sighs> I can't remember actually off the top of my head, but uh, not got from a- memory.
2: There hasn't been a big scalp. No, I'll uh. be. Um,
0: They've got a so big team now. So it'll be interesting
2: to see how they go against England.
1: Yeah, yeah, big step
2: I'd, up. Yeah, yeah. I think England will be like too much for them. But like you said, like after the start of the tournament, they had again. This is like a kind of nice story. Story, you know, yeah. for them. Even if they go out now, it's still a success.
0: Mm. Yeah, agreed. And uh, Thomas Delaney is of American heritage. For nice. those that were maybe wondering, he's uh. His father was also born in Denmark, but has American citizenship due to his grandfather being born in the United States. There you go. There you go.
1: The, <laughs> more you
2: picked,
0: the more you know. The more you know. So the better
2: of the two countries, right? Yeah. Smart decision.
0: Smart decision. Not in the Commonwealth, so we don't like that. <laughs> <him>. So yeah. <laughs> All right. So there's going to be a Denmark England semi final. Um, surely it's got to be England. Surely it's coming home, Bryce. What's your tips, both of you? Bryce, you go. Luke, surely. Luke, surely.
1: <laughs> uh, I think. I think um, England might concede their first goal in this game, but they will win.
0: The last ten, so England are on a seven or eight game unbeaten run, as well as their seven or eight game yet to concede streak. But the last time England lost was against Denmark at Wembley.
1: At Wembley, yeah.
0: So, they and, meet uh, again. So, will it happen yeah. again?
1: And I think um, there was a start I heard on, uh, it's, it might be just a bit under our quality, but BBC Football Weekly with Max Rushton, uh, I think it was Jonathan Wilson, said that the last team to win a major tournament um, and not concede a goal in regular time was Cote d'Ivoire in 1992, I think it was. Um, so, it's, it just if they can go goalless, if they can not concede a goal in this tournament, it'd be you'd be so huge. But I mean, obviously they have got Denmark in the way and whoever leads them in the final, but yeah, history awaits England now.
0: And the last time England won four 0 at a major tournament was in 1966 when they won the world cup. So there's omens galore for you, Chris, what do you make of all that? Is that, is, is there too many curses on them or is it just, is it, is just, are the stars aligning perfectly? Do you think?
2: I'm uh... I'm just going to ignore those superstitious stats (laughs) and go on the objective evidence that (laughs) their performance is illegal.
0: Were you a superstitious player? Did did you you have any superstitions?
2: Not at all. But then again, I'm I'm currently, I've just started this interesting book. It's called Buddhism for busy people. Mm. And one of the points that they make is that people in Western society are
1: inherently superstitious no matter what you say um and there i'm trying like to remember western like assume eastern people are very superstitious <laughs> yeah yeah that's true
2: um i'm trying to remember he gave some great examples but i can't remember off the top of my head i just wanted to put in the fact that you know i have a relevant buddhist mind um <laughs> <laughs> yes i read <laughs> no I, i'd like to think that i wasn't my my justification was if i played a good game i like to replicate like things like sleep and diet that i think helped me feel good physically during a game like i never had like a ritual but a lot of players do um and i think those i think those sort of stats that you're like throwing out i, I don't think players ever really think about it to be honest, yeah,
0: it's all media and fan consumption. Isn't it's it? It's
2: just trying to like, it's just trying to add to the narrative yeah. of you know either way, you know, if they lose, it's like oh they can't beat Denmark at Wembley, but if they win, then it's like oh it's the same as 1966, you know. It's just yeah, trying exactly to like right. add add drama to the narrative. Bloody yeah. media
0: types, <laughs> <laughs> but it does, doesn't it? It does build it up, and uh, it definitely if makes you it-
2: perceive it that way, it does.
0: Yeah, but it, it makes people believe things are going to happen or not. But no, I know what you mean. And yeah, no, I think you're right. So you're not, as, I'm not as cynical, man. I think I think what we've got out of this Chris isn't superstitious thing. That's abundantly clear. And, <laughs> any, and reads Buddhism.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if that's the takeaway, that's the one. Take. So yeah, like, yeah, is is there any plays at Gore that were superstitious? I think I remember... Diego might have been very superstitious about his – um, or maybe it was just a comfort thing oh, for yeah, him but his yeah. orthotics. Um, oh, yeah, I'm trying to remember. He always used to cut – like, he started cutting
2: his calves on his, like, socks, socks. as well. Yeah. Super can, scrappy. Yeah. Kyle Walker does that yeah, as well. Yeah,
0: can you explain why? Because I've seen uh, – and my, and my brother fit. will, will uh, hopefully listen to this, but he saw it the other day and wondered what it was. But, yeah, why did Castro I do I think it? guys with
2: big calves, like some of these new socks, are pretty tight. So that'd be why,
1: just purely just the to relates really? Right. Like, ah, uh, so- my calves are so yeah, big. It's, yeah, yeah the it's the probably like partially. Big. Like, yeah, check this out. My calves are so big. Anything, really? Yeah.
2: <sighs> Can I just say that <laughs> Carl Walker is like far out. That guy is making up for his lack of footballing ability with his pure <laughs> athleticism. Like, like and <laughs> no player I've ever seen before. Like, I don't know whether you guys yeah. agree, but. Oh, He's no. had like, I've watched like most of England's games and I reckon two or three has had like genuine stinkers. But like he makes up
1: for it with his pure athleticism. It's <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. It's he just recovers everything. Exactly. There was that one moment, I think, um Pickford absolutely smashed him for it where Ukraine got in behind. Uh, yeah, and like, yeah, Walker I almost that. like he kind of like let it go as if to give it to Pickford to pick up the slack. And Pickford was just like, mate. And it was you could tell Walker, I think just Walker's since the start of the tournament has just been rotten, but things are still working for him because as you've said, his pace and athleticism, he's, he's he's got the ability to make a mistake and make up for it. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. No, he, uh, yeah, there was a couple in that game, but I don't know. I don't think he's too bad. I think he's all right, but yeah, maybe oh, you're he's right. Clearly, mate. He's mate, clearly not yeah. bad if he's playing yeah. for the England national <laughs> team. No, 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 but you know what I mean, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> he's just he, um... he's
1: just like that one that we can point out that hasn't been on fire in that yeah. team. He's, like the, he's the obvious one that hasn't been like on fire, I guess. Yeah. For
2: yeah. me, I'd play Trippier ahead of
1: him, but
0: wow. no
2: Trippier is a better player. What? He's not as athletic, but got better delivery. He's like passing. smarter, better passer, yeah. better on the ball. He's actually a very solid defender as well. But I don't know. Walker must, I think he's probably a good leader as well. I get that's the feeling I get.
0: I guess Walker yeah. was playing as the right sided center back in that back three. In the three, that's true. So Trippier, yeah. you know, has, isn't in the team to do that. So he's kind of stuck on the wing backs position. But yeah, um, yeah. Maybe, maybe Walker will shift over. Well, he will. He'll shift over to right back if they play a four at the back. Well, he did cause... against Ukraine. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um... Can we
1: talk about Luke Shaw quickly? How... Yeah, go. So talk talk away. I'm just so happy for the guy. Mourinho just, he bullied him. And we talked about this when we did the previous podcast series. He was an absolute bully. It was workplace, you know. Uh, I think... Uh, um, work relations would have got involved there HR would have got involved there and told Mourinho off there but it's just so good to see him smash it and <laughs> so shot and he's just rocking a bit of a dad bod as well and I love it I just think he's one of those guys that doesn't try to be fancy he just goes out so you can tell he loves his football had a horrific injury where they nearly had to amputate his leg at the start of his career at Manchester United and he's come back after all this rubbish with Mourinho and know he's Didn't a did Mourinho crazy praise him in, fact. in the press? I swear, I, Mate, I read something about. Mourinho he might have, but it would have been tongue in cheek because he's smashed him for so long, and he's he keeps coming back and bringing him up. He's just rent free in Mourinho's head at the moment. So he probably sign him for Roma.
2: When we, when we played Man United a couple of years ago, so that was when so Shaw was still like he hadn't really been playing much first team football. Yeah, I when I saw him in person, he honestly looked overweight. Like, and I think that's just partially his. He's got one of those body, body types. He's so yeah. chunky. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But power, just pure power. Yeah.
0: What was he? Did you come up against him in that game? Did you actually? Because right, you are right sided, left sided. Yeah. Actually...
2: Yeah. Pure, like, just like wide girth. He had a wide girth. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, like, I don't know. It works for him. He's playing for Man United. He's clearly doing better than I am. So, He's doing something
1: right. Yeah. Yeah. What are you... No, I'm, just, um, I'm just happy for him.
0: Yeah. No, I think... I think Yeah, it's... uh, What's he got? He's got the most assists in the... Or the second most assists in the tournament as well. So, you might come away Doing with well that. Decent. So, uh, the last English player to get three assists in a major... Or in a Euros tournament, at least, was David Beckham in Euro 2000. So, um, Luke Shaw's on par with Beck's. Just quickly on those two games, because um, for those that are maybe watching on YouTube, and you can watch on YouTube, remember, uh, and we do have an Instagram... Uh, at Shooting Zars and at Twitter as our shooting. Um, I do have Chris in my background this time around, uh, With coming together with <laughs> David Dav- Dav- Louise from the time that Perth Glory played um, Chelsea. But Chris, your, your memories of those games against Chelsea and Manchester United at Optus Stadium in those consecutive years? Yeah, I remember the, the one thing that stuck
2: out, especially after United, because I started in the United game was the main thing was how physically how far ahead they were like that was that was the thing that stuck out to me the most not just like they obviously like technically better players but like physically they felt like another level compared to us and that was the scary thing they were just so like every like I got run down by Phil Jones you know like I was considered like one of the quickest players in the A-League and I got run down by a guy who was like smashed but he was so fast it was ridiculous and he was considered like a slow player so for me that said a lot and they were just all so sharp so strong so fit that i think that's like the sign of the modern game though as well like if you don't have that it doesn't matter how technically good you are you're never gonna you're never gonna be able to make it
0: we don't have what what precisely what the sharpness or
2: I don't know. I th- for me, it's like they're athletes on a whole nother level. Like there's a there's a part of it that you can't you can't coach. Like it's it's literally just like physicality. We're talking about Kyle Walker before. Mm. Like he's an unbelievable athlete.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and I think yeah, the way the modern game is going is like if you don't have that, um, then you're always going to struggle to make it at the really top level. I think that's the difference, especially now, like it's so demanding, you know, like we're talking before about having a backup, Spain, having a backup or whatever. Like if you think about the season just gone where players that, you know, teams are playing three games a week consistently, like that's frightening that they're able to do that and not break down. Yeah. Um, but I guess, you know, it's down to like a number of different factors, but yeah, those two games were an incredible experience. I remember the, the pitch at Optus being truly awful the, the one and only time I've won medal studs in a football game was against Man United. <laughs> <laughs> really? It's a fun memory. Yeah.
0: Did you, uh, did you get a shirt from any of the players or did you? I actually yeah.
2: didn't. Just kind of disappointing. I don't know why. I'm not one of those in your face kind of people that was like, not like Grante, who was injured, didn't even play and ran on the field and got Wampusaka's jersey <laughs> after the game.
1: <laughs> oh, that was man. hilarious. <laughs> Now you're on your Buddha, Buddhism tip there. You just like nah, I'm into material things. I had the experience. Yeah, that's that's I've got the I've
2: got the experience up here, man. Exactly that's right. all that matters. Yeah. It's all about internal, internal sense of happiness.
0: How did you find playing at Optus before we move on? Was it fun? Uh it's pretty was like it's good.
2: No, no, no. Well, like the pitch itself was not particularly good and well suited for football and the fact that the distance from the crowd, but I mean, as a stadium, like it's Pretty incredible and the lighting show that they're like the lighting that they would have put on at night games is is like awesome it's like a a show in its own right um look i I think it's it's good it gives like wa footballer i mean in the future whenever that's going to be when teams are allowed to tour here again like it, it, it gives them the option to but i think like in terms of just general A-League football, HBF Parks like one of the best
0: A-League stadiums going yeah. around. Yeah, great pitch. Absolutely. All right. Did we did we cover off France, Bryce? Did you did you have your say on France? You wanted to touch on France's melt. I can't actually remember whether we spoke about this <laughs> or not yet.
1: <laughs> yeah, we had a quick chat beforehand. I just think it's. I saw, um, I think Zidane's quote was, he said he doesn't like to talk out about individual players. Um, this is verbatim, but he, he said that Mbappe he, um, needs to be careful with his dealing with his ego, or he might. Um, I don't know the exact quote, but it's along those lines that he needs to kind of rein in his ego a bit. And for someone like Zidane, who's been one of the classiest players and managers, obviously, of all time, and he's an absolute icon as someone who handles himself very well off the pitch as well. Um, to come out and say that was quite a shock and I think kind of speaks volumes of the issues that France have within their squad, considering we had uh, Rabiot, uh, Rabiot's mum, who's also his agent, arguing with Pogba's family and someone else's family in there as well. Um, and they're arguing in the stands and Benzema apparently causing a lot of friction within the, the squad as well came out. So I think Deschamps kind of struggled with the egos within the side this tournament. Um and then I saw like some uh, uh, people asking questions of Deschamps and saying so, like having a, you've got a squad with like Kim Pembe, Lucas Dinier from Everton as well, who are left who are left-sided left backs or left-sided players, and they're playing Andre Rabio, who's arguably a, like pretty much was played as a midfielder his entire career, and Kante on the left-hand side. It just it was just seemed so strange. So I think it's just one of those you, I think was it the two 2000- thousand. Ten World Cup, two thousand six. They melted after um, losing to Senegal and not reaching the knockout stages after they won at the previous tournament. Anelka cracked the shits. Anelka cracked the shit. Cracked the shit. Was 202. That or was that
0: two thousand ten? Two oh two. Anelka. I can't remember, but I, I think, think it was two
1: thousand
2: two. They won the ninety eight
1: World Cup. Yeah, but I think they got Possibly. they got bounced in the. I don't yeah. know if like because I remember they went on strike for a few days. I think that might have been 06 or ten. 2010, just,
0: when Patrice Evra got banished, there was they've always that's had problems. Right, yeah. yeah,
1: I just feel like it's every couple of tournaments they have a melt and they get in their own way. Like they could be, that's they the, could win every bloody World well Cup with their talent if they didn't get in their own way. It's quite. But fun. that's the
2: French. That's kind of like the French. We're talking about Italy's like culture. Like that's also French culture.
1: Yeah, just sweeping generalizations across countries is part of. Yeah, thing. yeah. Encapsulated <laughs> in their football. He's well team. traveled. He's well
0: traveled. Our guest.
1: <laughs> <sighs> but yeah I just I don't know I just think it's it's kind of classic now looking back at, at France and we've talked we've touched upon those kind of historical moments where they've had an internal melt and it's mm. just it's happened again but I mean if you're a France man you like, oh well, I've caught this yeah. after winning a world cup whatever next yeah. doesn't matter you could nah. you
2: could work at Space Gorilla man you said the word melt so many times in the last <laughs> three minutes
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh... is it one in Freo? I'm gonna to have to look that up. Oh, all right, a lot of
0: <laughs> a, a lot of Perth references for those that maybe have never been to Perth that are listening. If you That's are a niche out there, toes face. That's <laughs> yes. very niche. That, that is pretty niche. All right, I um, I'm conscious of time here, Chris. I don't want to keep you all night. Um, but just there's a couple other things that we'll get to. We do have questions that were sent in on Instagram, so we we actually we've got our most. Yeah, we. I put a call out. So I've been putting a call out on Instagram uh via our Instagram story and we we return the most uh out of any episode and that's and I didn't even say that you were coming on the show. So that's uh funny how that's panned out. So we will get to those and for those who answer putting questions and are listening, that will be the last segment of the show. I just want to cover off um a bit of your post-life career, Chris, and just sort of maybe reflect on how life's been for you transitioning out of the game because obviously that's a hot topic for many professionals. And I know you you wrote a piece or the PFA when you retired and you've recently done an interview with sporting news as well. Um, sort of talking about this, but how have you found the transition out of being a professional athlete and sort of going from the regimented life that is uh, professional sport to having to pave your own way? I think the, the key aspect from my point
2: of view was like, I always had alternative interests and I plugged a lot of energy obviously into my study. So I had, I had ideas of, you know, what life was going to be like without football at the centerpiece. And yet I had a really difficult period. um, Especially when I initially transitioned into like my, my legal profession. Um, Last year was really nice because I got to um, work a lot less and spend really good time with my daughter, which was like a really important thing to me. Um, but then transitioning into like a completely different workplace, um, where the dynamic and relationships are completely different. you you know, the hours that you have to work and the type of work you have to do, like it's, it's so vastly different. Like even for someone like myself, who I like to think I'm pretty open-minded and was kind of ready for that sort of thing. That's why I made the decision. It was still really hard. Um, So I guess the point I'm trying to make is like it emphasizes how difficult it is for athletes when they do retire and they have to transition because I consider myself one of probably a small number of athletes that had clear direction that didn't involve football. So for guys who don't or, you know, so heavily involved in football and don't have other things, it's it's such a shock to the system Mm. that you need to have something else bubbling away under the surface if you're gonna be able to
0: mentally survive that initial transition. It, what 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 is the biggest shock do you think? Is it like missing the, going into the club every day? Is it missing your mates? Is it um actually playing depends on in the training? individual or yeah obviously but like for you what do you think the biggest shock was? Well
2: there's so many factors it's like yeah your work dynamic is so different like a footballing locker room environment you're just talking you know talking crap all the time like just bantering around (laughs) yeah you go into a workplace where you know people are serious people got to work like it's not like i don't joke around at work but you can't very different you don't don't have that same relationship you know i mean i'm sitting down at a desk for the majority of my day after you know exercising and being outside my whole adult life um and it's also like mental stimulation like obviously my career is quite demanding um but you know like it's it's you guys would know with study and what have you like and work like after a full day of very cognitively challenging work you're so physically drained as well and like that was very hard to do day after day after day um and it's just different to the physical exhaustion that you'd feel after training um and i think it's just how you i and this is like a a weird thing because i never considered i had well, I mean, I guess all athletes have a a certain degree of ego, but like not being identified as an athlete anymore, really like smacked me around, which I never thought it would. Um, For me, it's like a sense of relevance. Like as an athlete, you're kind of different. And people know that you've inherently like succeeded at something and you, you, you know, you're in a high performance environment. It's very intriguing and interesting to people. So when you don't have that anymore and you're just, like everyone else. And especially for me, like starting at the bottom of an entirely different career, like you, you don't have that same sense of relevance, which sounds really petty, but um, that was a hard thing to wrap my head around.
0: Yeah, no, that makes total sense. I mean, did that, obviously would have just come on however it did after, or when you started your legal profession, but no, that's really interesting to hear. I mean, do, do you miss, do you miss the game? I mean, you obviously retired, how old were you? You were 28, I believe. Do you miss mm-hmm. it in any way? Do you, yeah. I'm um, obviously you're still playing oh, now. Some, you, you, you play with ECU Jindal up now and you're sort of playing um, at a pretty high level for, for a state level. Um, but yeah, do you miss playing professionally? Oh, there are aspects
2: that I do, but I don't think I miss like the whole rounded. Um, profession and i think that's you know why i know i made the right decision i think for me as a person um the things i like doing now that i'm able to do even though i live a very busy life and you know it's very different i think i'm much more content within myself um because i think unfortunately as an athlete you have to constantly push the boundaries and strive to be better and it's not that i don't do that now it's like just at a different level, you know, as an athlete, if you don't have the constant growth mentality, then you're already perceived like you're failing and you're on the way out. And that's like very challenging to deal with all the time. Um, for me, who is a person who likes to maintain like a sense of equilibrium and, you know, uh, a constantness to my nature and my day-to-day, I think that makes me generally more happy. Whereas, like with sport, you tend to have those huge roller coasters of emotion that, you know, it doesn't matter how zen you are, like that that takes its toll on your on your
0: mindset and your mental health. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, and you obviously you finished up your playing days uh, up on the Central Coast. How was that experience?
2: It's a beautiful part of Australia. People need to go there. It's actually like. I think people who don't live within Sydney or New South Wales, it's like a bit of a gem that most people don't know about. Um, And for me, like I had a a couple of tough years at Glory. So it was hard. It was nice to just go somewhere where I felt valued as a, as a player again, which was nice. And it was kind of like, it was important for me to move away from Perth before I just, you know, which allowed me to make that decision to retire. I think because I'd tried something else I'd been somewhere different, but, I think ultimately I'd set myself and my family up here, and that was sort of more important than my career.
0: Did your family go with you when you moved over? I assume they. No, did. No, they stayed here. Oh wow, okay. So how yeah. how long did you? How long was the was there? Uh, it was a bit over two Yeah, and then obviously when the COVID pandemic hit, you came back pretty quickly. I remember. Is yeah, that, is that yeah right? straight away. Yeah. So how, how did you view all that? Um, as well, that was obviously. It's a big story uh, last year. Obviously, things have changed in Australian football now. There's a new Channel 10 deal, and actually the complexion of the game is actually looking quite positive. Uh, but at the time, obviously, there was the league had shut down and there was no TV deal sort of on the table, and Fox looked like they were going to get out, which had you know massive financial ramifications for all clubs um, and the glory. How, how did that whole thing contribute to you on, and i mean yeah what, what's your take on sort of how the players were handled or how, how i think it went it's down?
2: the i think for me the biggest issue with all of that is the uncertainty that it created um i think that's the that's the major issue you know guys were going over east for like glory teams were going over east thinking they're going to go away for three days and then two days later they'd find out they're staying there for 10 days you know like and it's all right when you're younger and um, you don't have family, but when you have, you know, attachments back home, that's hard to, that's hard to do. Um, and I think, you know, it's also uncertainty. Players had no idea what the future of the league looked like, which is
1: which is really hard
2: when you're, it doesn't matter if you're young, like, and you're trying to make your, you know, start your career or you're older and you've got a family and you've got responsibility, like you need some degree of stability in your life. So that level of uncertainty and, unknown as to where things are going is like really difficult to deal with. So I'm glad that, you know, something's been set in stone now. And hopefully it's like a, you know, a concrete slab that they can can build off a foundation um, and help grow the game. Cause I think I feel as if the A-League had really sort of, you know, it was bottoming out a little bit because Fox probably foresaw that they were going to get out at some point. So they weren't investing money to actually grow um, its exposure. Whereas now there's a new investor who will inevitably want the game to grow. Like they don't want it to not grow yeah,
1: as a profitable
2: interest. Yeah. 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 From a profitable point of view. So like, hopefully they invest wisely in it and, you know, hopefully now that the, the clubs have been running the league for a little bit longer, um, there's a bit more stability from that sense as well. But, But some of those cowboy owners, you never know what they're going to
0: do. (laughs) Yes. Nah, I think you're right. Yeah. It'll uh, hopefully, I mean, it seems pretty fascinating even with the new, the new deal. I saw they saw Tom Glover, I believe his name is Melbourne city keeper, even little things like this, right. That he was, um, you know, this never really happened on Fox in terms of incorporating the A league components into maybe Fox shows, but it seems as if 10 are more willing to maybe incorporate the league. And obviously, you know, it makes sense because they're the new investors, as you say, but for, Tom Glover was on that channel 10 show. Have you been paying attention? So there's sort of like, you know, cross promotion yeah, on the network. Yeah. So these are the things which are just going to like inadvertently build the league. Cause there's people watching yeah, their rich, shows. new audiences. Exactly. Right. So, um, yeah, hopefully it takes the game to a new level, but, um, yeah, so you, so you, you were playing this year, as I mentioned at ACU junior lap and under your old manager, Kenny Lowe, that was, um, yeah, a bit of a coup for the club. How did it all go, or how's it the going? Bryce's
1: dismay. <laughs> no, we're how's doing it? all right now, man. It's all right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you don't need me. How's that been?
2: Nah, it's been good, man. It's, I don't know, it's nice being able to play football with a different sort of mentality now, much more relaxed um, mentality. And like for me, I guess the level of pressure is just like, it's so very different that, you know, it, 5 minutes after a game like even if I'm annoyed that we've lost or played poorly or whatever like I can get over it very quickly because I've now learned that you know the result of a football match or how you play in a football match is not is not the most important thing in your life or your day that there are other stuff that's far more relevant and important so I think that's a nice sort of reality for me to hit and it's it's it is a little bit of a full circle like you're coming back to play football because I want to do it for an enjoyment. There's no sense of obligation. Um, but still, you know, like I have a lot of other things going on in my life that football is not necessarily, it's probably fourth rung of importance in my life right now. So it's like when the other stuff is preoccupying my mind and my energy more than football becomes less relevant. But when I have the energy for it, then it's
0: a nice little outlet. Yeah. No, that sounds good. A bit like I've gone back and played football for the first time in about ten years this year. So it's uh, how's the I body? Ah, sh- uh, it's been actually holding up. Some, you know, not too bad. Uh, and it's just been fun. So I share all the sentiments you're saying. It's been uh, nice to be back out there and doing it because I want to do score it.
1: Score sheet all the time, Stewie. <laughs> scoring every up. week. So that's it.
0: That's
2: why I he's enjoying it. Yeah, exactly.
1: It's good. It's, good. it's great.
2: <laughs> like, any excuse to bring that up, eh? Yeah. Segue. Excuse. Segway. Yes.
0: Oh, well, that's good to hear. Um, yeah, obviously, you're in a different part of your life now. And will we be seeing Chris Harold back involved in the game in any way? In a legal standpoint, are you going to be gunning for administration positions? Are you going to be a manager? What can the fans expect, Chris?
2: No, nah, I can't be a manager, mate. Screw that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. Like, it, because of my background, like, staying involved in the game and, and it, at some level would be would be interesting, and I'd like to think I'd be able to implement a lot of good ideas. But it's it's not something that I'm like gunning for at this point. I need to get legal experience first, and then, you know, wherever that takes me. You know, I've had experience with the PFA, which I think I'd like to do again in the future. Like, it's really interesting being involved in the game from a more sort of a more administrative like um, business. Um, legalistic point of view because you view you have to view things so very differently as whereas as a player it's just purely emotive mm. um, and you don't think about it quite as rationally i think so it's it's nice being able to view the game through different goggles
1: yeah keep listening to mickey franzone i think you'll be you'll be floating in there in no time chris <laughs> <laughs> big man another perth reference
0: Another Perth reference for those. that's even
1: Nisha.
2: That reference, that's yeah, even this, than this, is, this is turning. To just, I, don't,
0: I don't even know who that is, so this is just turning into <laughs> personal jokes between the two fellas. That's the beauty
2: of having your own podcast, eh?
0: yeah. <laughs> um, all right, we'll uh, we'll, we'll keep this moving because we're, we're approaching an hour, we're probably over an hour now, but anyway, we'll how about we sk- we'll skip the APL this week, Bryce, we'll uh touch on all this episode, we'll touch on all the big stories. Obviously, Jaden Sancho is the biggest one, but we'll cover that off a bit more in our next episode. I just, I thought of this whilst we were recording this. I just wanted to, uh, in reference to a recent podcast I've been listening to, they've been doing a quick hand segment. So you ask five quick fire questions. And I just want to, they're all about your career, Chris, but I, I'm going to ask you five quick fire questions oh, without please. notice. And you got to try and answer them as quickly as you can. It's all relating to your playing day. So number one. Best player you played with? Oh, geez. Liam, Liam Miller. Liam Miller. Or Diego Castro. One or the other. Favourite ground you played at? I think HBF is pretty great, actually. Because of the surface? Because of the crowd when it gets going? Just it's quality. like...
2: It's, it's... Yeah, it's size and... It's so perfectly suited for the A League that also when we got good crowds there it was it was pretty pumping. Best manager? <laughs> I don't know. I, I I'd, I'd say Kenny because I just think he he invests in people, which I really like.
0: Favorite goal you ever scored?
2: I uh, scored like a sort of scissor kick against melbourne victory and like the first
0: year i was at perth i reckon that was a pretty good one and finally the thing you miss the most which we may have already spoken about
2: i think it is the relationships that you form with teammates like you it's not until i've started a new career where you understand office and work dynamics from a different perspective that you appreciate the relationships you have as a professional footballer because you inherently spend a lot of time with people where you're not necessarily having to work. You know, you're traveling interstate in airports and on airplanes and rooming with people where you get to know people. Um, you know, on a much deeper level that most people in an office environment you don't you don't get to know people that well unless you go have a few wines with them after work, like it's you 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 form quite special relationships especially with you know a number of particular individuals that you obviously are quite close with i think that's
0: the big part and like-minded obviously yeah for Mm. sure all right there we go chris thank you very much for uh, taking part in all that uh that's thanks for showing
2: interest in in my career
0: mate oh mate as always (laughs) it's been a very interesting (laughs) career you were well you are birth glory's second most Game's record holder. So. <laughs> oh, man, that has
2: a glamorous ring to it, doesn't it? it rolls off oh, the tongue. <laughs> All
0: right. Um, we're going to finish off with some quick questions from the fans. I've been promising this. And when I say fans, I mean fans. So, Bryce, I'm going to throw a couple of these at you. I want some Go quick answers. So apologies for, you know, they're not going to be super in-depth for those that send in questions. But Jack Sweeney <laughs> sent in a question saying, <laughs> Good Eng- man. England midfield, surely Hendo starts. Yeah, it's a funny one. Now take your Liverpool hat off here. Just yeah, does he start? I think no.
1: I think no. He doesn't have the the amount of minutes in his legs for it. But as Chris and I said after that previous game, who else would you want in world football right now to come on the pitch to shore up at it, shore up a midfield at the end of the game if you're leading? Fantastic substitution to come on at the end. I don't think he's starting.
0: Chris, does he start?
1: No, you can't drop Phillips and.
2: Um, rice after the performances and i think bryce is right they got mo- more mobility um and they've been doing a job there's no reason to to
0: change it yep all right my man felix silverstein has sent in another one assuming england get through to the final who would you want them to face off against bryce
1: italy, italy for the spectacle italy for the spectacle i think and it's it's a huge one in wa like most change rooms you got a lot of people from Italy or from the UK. So I just think it'd be awesome for for at least Perth. But I think worldwide, it's just in the two powerhouses of world football. I think it'd be amazing to see those two in a World Cup. Co- uh, sorry, Euros final.
2: Chris? I pretty much... I'll just... I'll just okay, get okay out what, what he says. said. Yeah. And I summed it up concisely. I like it. <laughs> All
0: right. We've got John Turner. Our man, man. John Turner. He's, uh, he sent in... He sent in a few here, so John, we may have to answer a third. He sent in three. One of them was for Grante, so John, we'll save that for the next time. Grante's on. But Bryce, maybe you can answer this. Which player do you think will be set for a big move off the back of a decent Euros campaign?
1: Schick, I think. I mean, yep. he's already had a chance at Milan, um, but I think uh, I think he'd be. He won't I think like a West Ham or a Tottenham could be kind of. The type of team that could be in for him, but I think she has been really impressive.
0: And will the additions of Wijnaldum, Hakimi, and soon Sergio Ramos be enough to lead PSG to Champions League glory this season? Assuming Mbappe days as well.
1: I bloody hope not. I you don't want to see it. them win it. Like my least favourite team in world football, PSG. They got good uh, kids, stick, but uh, yeah, because they collab with bloody Jordan and stuff. It's just just play football. I don't know. They really annoy me. They irk me a lot, and they kind of epitomise. <laughs> What I don't like about modern football. Do
0: they piss you off, commercializing football, football? What about you, Chris? Do they piss you off? I don't know if they piss
2: me off, but I, I can completely agree with Bryce is saying. They're like they're almost like commodifying football in a way. They're yep. making it like yeah a commercial aspect more than like a
1: purist. But like, like men's then has brought in it outside interest. Like, it's more kind of like a cultural true. thing. Now, which but is I think cool, Man, City but... have,
2: Man City have done it, you know, they've done the whole like takeover with money thing in, in a smarter way.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Both still haven't won a Champions League. I think it shows Champions League takes more ticker.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. David Marshall sent in. Southgate said that Sancho trained the best year he, he had in the week leading up to the last game, which is also the week his negotiation talks were over after signing with Manchester United. Chris. <laughs> How much of an impact can negotiation talks have on a player in training slash on game day? Good question. Oh, massively. Because I think that's, unfortunately,
2: that becomes the forefront of your, your thought process. It's when you're negotiating where you're going to be for however long. It's hard to, again, that's another thing to like shut out of your mind. And that's mm-hmm. what makes, I think, great footballers, is they're able to like focus on the thing in front of them and not get distracted by
0: all that other stuff. Mm. so it is at the forefront of your mind you would say as always
2: i think it's yeah well i mean it can work either way like players either let the pressure of it get to them or they wor- or, or worry or the thought of what they're going to do whereas other guys see that as far out if i pull my finger out and start playing well now i'm going to add more value more
0: mm. yeah interesting all right and last but not least Ted Dinson, Todd Dickinson, Bryce. Hey, is come- great, man. Is it coming home?
1: Yeah, why not? I reckon that'd be fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I just think, I just think it'd just be. Oh, there's been so much uh, excitement around this English team since the World Cup, especially with it's coming home, really starting to come into fashion. It was just, it's been so fun the whole thing. So it just give it kind of iconic status the whole it's coming home movement if the euros were to come home play at Wembley ironically so yeah I think why not toddy why not
0: and Chris ditto I'm gonna I'm gonna say preach preach, preach. <laughs> <laughs> all right we've done it that's it sorry it, uh, it may be dragged on a little bit there for those that are still listening thank you very much uh, Chris Harold special guest Matt you've subbed in brilliantly. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Oh, it was nice to just chat with the lads again. Chat with the lads again. Chat a bit of footy. Brycey, thanks for coming to us, mate, from Scandinavia. For those that maybe <laughs> want to know what this is all about. Straight
1: in Norebro. I've just gone down to myers Bargary and got myself a croissant and a nice chalk milk. So. Yeah, he's got a McClure in his left hand. <laughs> Thank,
0: thanks, for, thanks for taking the time tonight, guys. It's uh, It was a lot of fun, actually. And, um, yeah, for those that are still listening, you can catch, as I've mentioned, head over to YouTube and watch us chat on YouTube. But we are also on Spotify, iTunes, and importantly, we uh, have Instagram and Twitter, as I've already mentioned. But that's pretty much it. We'll be back later this week, hopefully when Alex uh, is free. We're still sort of waiting to... See what happens there. But
1: once we pay his bond at prison, (laughs) once we pay his bond, I think he should be right. Yeah.
0: (laughs) But until then, thanks for listening. Here comes Alan Shearer.
1: It's Shearer for you.